Homes Ordinance Number 23-23, an ordinance creating Section 11-2-12 of the Code of the City of Pensacola, Florida, providing for a traffic infraction detection program in accordance with Florida statutes. Good Lord, what, what is going on this morning? I can't, I can't even wrestle the microphone into position. Well, it's so. Funky. We got to blame uh, Craig Heinzman on that one because he is super tall, and he was like, "Man, I got to fix this thing." And, oh well, man, man. We, we messed with it for like thirty minutes. You, you have, you know, I'm like, you know, every day I come into work when I'm not on vacation, and stuff generally works, and then all of a sudden this morning, it's the day after the day after Christmas, and uh, I said both. Come on, it's the 27th. I know, uh, and all of a sudden nothing. Nothing works. Like the newsroom is broken. Uh, the you know the the ads aren't right. <laughs> like, and I'm like, okay. And I hadn't thought to check the microphone to make sure that it wasn't screwed up. So thanks a lot, Craig. You're the best. I th- I appreciate you leaving me that special pr- uh, parting present from Christmas. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, good to have you. Thank you for listening. The three three of you who are out there this week. You know what is funny? Uh, th- we'll we'll get back to the um, city of Pensacola meeting from a week and a half ago. It's, we'll just pretend like nothing happened in between now and then. Um, by the way, thank you to. Craig Heinzman and Anna Higgins and John Hutchinson for filling in for me while I was gone. Had a great time. Uh, went on a cruise. Went to the Bahamas. Uh, yeah, the Bahamas are islands. I did not drive back any kind of Camaro. Um, uh, you did great while I was gone. Thank you so much uh, for you know helping. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. You did great, Jake. And uh, Merry Christmas, by the way, and Happy New Year. Yes. You, you just total side note to everything. You know, I haven't worked this week in the calendar in like seven years. We always, I don't know, we had always been in the habit of taking the week after Christmas off, the week between Christmas and New Year, which is really smart and strategic, if you ask me, because uh, nothing happens this week. Um, I'm just, it's a very, very, very slow news week because no governmental meetings, there's n- much not happening. Anyway, but uh, this this year, just because of the cruise and grandma and all that kind of stuff, we decided to take the week before Christmas off, of course, because Christmas on a Monday and take an extra day, um, which you did the best of yesterday. Thank you for that. Um, and But I was looking back at my like history of show preps, like, oh. <laughs> it's been a long time since I worked this week. Uh, but it's bowl season. It's all the good stuff. Anyway, uh, back to City of Pensacola. Um, I thought this is such a fascinating meeting. This was the you know the Thursday night before I had, you know took off for vacation. So this is the 14th. Um, and they did a ton of stuff in this meeting. And I know, I'm sure the newsroom covered a bunch of it, and, you know, Channel 3 and the PNJ, and I know Anna was talking about this the first day that she was filling in for me. Um, but, you know, I always feel like um, sometimes it's helpful for me at least to go over it myself, uh, and then I remember the stuff. But, man, a lot of things that got passed on sort of first reading, and this was one of them. The red light camera ordinance, or what you might call the, you know, the, the facilitating ordinance Testing. that gives that gives the city of Pensacola. Uh, his mic was just coming through. I don't know. He's trying to test, and so, uh, cool. <laughs> if things are a little weird this morning, if something sounds wrong, uh, blame it on me or blame it on the, uh, the post-Christmas gremlins that are, uh, apparently <laughs> affecting us here. Anyway, um, so the first reading on this red light camera ordinance was what came up. And what was fascinating to me is you had all of this big stuff on the agenda. It's a two and a half, nah, two, 220, something like that, hour meeting. And you had big stuff on the agenda. You had the red light camera first reading. You had the panhandling, which I, I know they're, they're not calling it a panhandling ordinance, but, you know, I think we all know what the purpose of this ordinance is. It is a public safety ordinance, and rightly so. None of the sort of official voices are going to say it's a panhandling ordinance because 
the more you focus on it being a panhandling ordinance, then eventually, you know, in some lawsuit that I'm sure somebody's going to file against it, probably the ACLU, um, you know, it's better if you don't have any representatives of the government going officially out in public and saying, oh, yeah, this is all about the panhandling. Um, but we all know. Okay, and I don't think it will much matter for the actual uh, lawsuit that will happen eventually. But still, you know, this is meant to cut down on panhandling. It's meant to clean up the street corners in the city of Pensacola, much like the county has passed their ordinance. Although, and pardon me for not knowing this, it's just one of these things that even now having been here almost 10 years, I still, it's just one of these weird little things I still don't understand. I still don't understand how the city of Pensacola has to pass two ordinances or pass it twice and the county sometimes does, sometimes doesn't. The city sometimes does, sometimes doesn't. So I lose track of this. I apologize. It's my fault for not understanding. Uh, but in any case, the city, the, the county has passed their version. And their version is the one that says you are not allowed to stand on a median where the median is less than six feet wide. That's their approach. That's the one that the uh, sheriff's office has put together with the county uh, legal office. And that's the one that they have had their... I, again, I think just the first reading. I don't think it's in force yet, um, but they had the public hearing and they had the first reading. And now the city's version is just a little bit different because it it's similar. It says, you know, you, you can't sit there and wait through two cycles of the light to cross because that shows that you're not intending to cross the street and nobody is supposed to be residing on or standing on these medians. They don't get as specific on the six feet. The other part of their ordinance, which is in an add to to the county ordinance, is that they're saying you can't interact with the cars. You can yell at the cars, but you can't exchange items between the cars, which is where the, the public safety element comes in, because now you're impeding traffic, which is going to be interesting as an argument when I assume the lawsuit comes up, because um, I like this approach. I think this approach is actually more enforceable than just the standing on the median part. Um, because you can make the argument that somebody standing on the median is a public safety hazard because they're kind of in the roadway. You know, you can make that argument. Um, but really, you can make a better public safety argument when people are interacting with the cars because both for the person on the street who might be injured by, let's say, a car that starts moving or the flow of traffic, which might be hindered, which is already, you know, like a state law. Um, but again, cars aren't moving typically when the panhandlers are interacting with them. So interacting with a stationary car is going to be kind of, I think, is going to be kind of an interesting question when the lawsuit eventually gets heard. M much like, um, you know how you can text when you're sitting at the red light, but you can't text when the car is moving, right? Because... The idea is, you know, you're not a danger to anybody when you're sitting and texting. You're only a danger to people when you're driving and texting. So, and that nuance isn't captured in this law. But, of course, it couldn't be because nobody's worried about, you know, drive-by panhandling. <laughs> like, that's not the issue. The issue is precisely that the cars are stopped and it doesn't really impede traffic because they're stopping. So, I don't know. It's going to be a weird one. But I was fascinated in this conversation about the red, uh, about the, um, <laughs> I'm talking about the wrong topic. I, I played you the red light camera one. Um, so we'll do that one since that's the one I've been talking about. Anyway, um, <laughs> the panhandling ordinance uh, and the red light camera ordinance, like no discussion. Big, huge topics, like changing of the culture of the city kind of topics. 
right? I mean, if red light cameras work and we cut down on red light camera running, that's a massive change to how people behave in the city of Pensacola. I mean, Pensacola will, if the mayor and the police department have their way, is going to become more like Gulf Breeze. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a supporter. I'm a fan. I hate red light cameras, but I believe in red light cameras. I mean, I hate speed limits, but I kind of believe in them. I hate you know red light cameras. I kind of believe in them. Um, I don't want to have to deal with them, but then, you know, y'all drive the way you drive. So here we are. Um, but, you know, I like the safety value of Gulf Breeze. I hate driving through it, but I like the safety value. I like that people don't get killed on the street. You know, that's a good thing. So, um, but I was surprised that nobody showed up to protest. Nobody. And the same thing for the panhandling. Like, this is a major change for how the city of Pensacola operates, just like it was a major change for Escambia County, and nobody showed up to protest. Nobody, like, no public speakers. Nothing. The only thing you got was uh, Jen Brer, uh, city councilwoman Jen Brer, asked what I thought was a very reasonable question. She had asked it in the agenda conference the Monday before, and she just asked, well, you know, hey, look, if we're going to be ticketing or fining or jailing. I mean, it's a pretty significant, I mean, it's a 60 day, five year, you know, or a five, uh, uh, 60 days or $500. It's a pretty significant penalty. If you convict somebody of violating this public safety ordinance. Um, what about the driver? Cause the driver is at least as much a problem, right? I mean, I'm, and when she brings this up, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, get the drivers. Because the drivers are the real problem, right? It's the people who stop and give the money. If the people weren't stopping and giving money, the panhandlers would leave, right? There's no revenue source they'd go. And she asked that question. It's the same question I had on Monday. Is a consideration that if someone is, if the per, the one doing the crime, in essence, is the one driving and stopping to sell something out of their car or something, can they be held liable as the from the other side? Great question. And, you know, the... We don't have a city attorney right now. What we have is you know, kind of Beggs and Lane is doing a lot of the legal work for us, I guess, and um, which kind of had come up in the meeting. You know, Sherry Myers, uh, attorney and former city councilwoman, you know, raising a ruckus about why don't we have a city attorney anyway. Uh, so Jen Brer says, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the, the lady who was doing the legal work on this particular night kind of asked, well, what do you mean? And she clarified. There was something similar that was attempted years ago, this similar kind of ordinance. And. And the research had been done that a lot of this slowing down sometimes is maybe a drug dealer who's slowing down to quickly sell something out of the car. And so or could they be then held liable as the one creating this danger zone of people coming out to their car? That kind of idea. So most of which, the- which again, I, I thought that was a great question, you know, not because we think that the reverse problem is happening a lot. Right. We don't think that people are driving by and giving people something to, well, I mean, you know, they give them food, I guess they give them money, but you know, we're not talking about the reverse commerce issue, not selling something out of the window. Uh, I mean, it could be occasionally, but that's not the primary concern, right? But it's still a good question. Why don't you target the drivers? Because targeting the panhandlers is one thing, but the drivers are, are half the problem, at least. So why not target them as well? And the answer was actually fairly straightforward. So most of the issues regarding drivers being held responsible is preempted to the state, and there already exists exist state statutes that PPD and law enforcement agencies are able to enforce already anyway, like stopping and obstructing. Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. So we can't do that. (laughs) It might work. It might make sense. But, you know, it's preempted to the state because moving violations and the regulation of driving is something that the state handles, and they don't let every municipality make up its own rules about how you drive. I mean, you might have latitude within certain uh, variables, things like speed limits and 
you know, speed bumps and stuff like that and red light cameras. Uh, but you don't have the ability to regulate, you know, I guess you don't have the ability to regulate whether drivers stop and give stuff to people out the window. You do have the ability, because it's not a driving thing, to regulate the public safety problems created by somebody standing on the roadside and begging and then reaching into the car and all that kind of stuff. So this passes seven to zero with, like I said, no public comment whatsoever. And then the red light cameras, same thing. The only person who even raised a question about the red light cameras was Casey Jones, city council president. For the record, I um, had a couple people concerned that for some reason we may shorten yellow lights. And I just wanted on the record whether that would happen or not. Uh, we have not had, uh, uh, if Chief come up here and correct me if I'm wrong about this, uh, uh, we have not had any conversations uh, about that. And Chief came up and said. Good evening, Council President and Council Members and Mayor. Um, there will be no shortening of any, any yellow lights okay. during this process. The most concise answer, <laughs> which is true. I mean. That's ridiculous, but people have their weird conspiracies, and so they thought, oh, you know, the city, they're going to put in these red light cameras all along 9th Avenue and Davis, Fairfield, all that, and then, you know, uh, Gregory going west at 9th. I mean, they're going to they're gonna get you, and they're going to shorten the yellow lights because their goal is to try to create tickets. The, the goal is not to create tickets. The goal is to get people to not run red lights. That's the goal, so they're not trying to shorten. In fact, I would, I would not be surprised if, and it's a state road, so I don't, think this is likely, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point you might actually see lengthening of yellow lights on some of these intersections. I mean, that might be a strategy also, just like having the red light cameras as a strategy. Give people a little bit more warning. And then, of course, if you lengthen the red lights, that undermines the argument that people are going to make. Well, you're just a foot over the line and, you know, I didn't know that it was red. Or the there's visible interference along Fairfield, which I think you can make that argument. But anyway, so... There was nothing about that. In fact, the only real conversation about the red light camera ordinance was Mayor Reeves, who just wanted to take a second to reassure people of what I've been telling you and what the PPD has been telling you all along, which is that um, there's going to be a human involved in this loop. It's not like some machine somewhere is just going to send you a red light ticket. I I think it's also important to point out that there is going to be a human element to this, that um, it will not be by one millimeter you were over the line and then I, and then a ticket goes in the mail automated and we don't ever see it. Uh, there's going to be some human evaluation throughout this process as well, too. If it is that one millimeter or the back of the trailer, you know, whatever those gray area scenarios are, that there will be that extra layer of ensuring before a ticket goes out that uh, that, that someone uh, at PPD has, uh, has laid their eyes on it. So I just want to give that assurance out there as well. Which is good. I mean, that's that's important. That's an important part of this whole process. So, And, and by the way, the whole back of the trailer thing, um, unless I'm very mistaken about the law, and it's always possible, I will ask Mike Wood about this tomorrow, the law says nothing about the back of the trailer. The law says that your vehicle can't enter the intersection, which means cross the white line after the light turns red. It doesn't matter what the back of your trailer does. It matters what the front of your car does when the right light turns red. So that's not even an issue, I don't think, for any of these camera infractions. Anyway, that passed 7-0. So we got a good question by Jen Brer about the panhandling ordinance. We got a weird question that doesn't relate to anything, but Casey Jones feels like he has to ask for his constituents. I understand that. Not criticizing him. I think it's silly that constituents would have this fear. Um, He asks, and that's it. There's no other conversation about this. And they pass both 7-0, first reading. So we'll see if that holds up on second reading when, you know, the real 
pardon, rubber hits the road. Um, <laughs> it's a driving thing. Uh, but we'll see. You know, And there was a bunch of other stuff, too. We'll get to it throughout the day. Anyway, 437-1620, if you just want to say Merry Christmas or almost Happy New Year or God, it's cold outside, which it certainly is. Uh, and it's going to be cold for the next week or so in varying degrees down to almost freezing overnight between the 40s and you know low 30s over the course of the next week. So we'll keep you up to date on all of that information. Uh, but hey, it's good to be back. Good to have you back. Text me if you want, 437-1620. I'm Andrew McKay. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. The Queen Sleep Number C2 Smart Bed is now only $9.90 for a limited time. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. As a business owner, you have a lot on your plate, from managing staff, growing your business, training new hires, and more. With so much going on, you need Avalon. As an IRS-certified PEO, Avalon HR can help from running your payrolls, remitting state and federal taxes, helping with COVID employee retention credits, workers' compensation insurance, employee benefits, and their HR expertise. Avalon HR lets you focus on your core business while we handle the rest. Avalon HR, employing made easy. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. This is Lewis Bear wishing you a safe and happy holidays. Please don't text and drive or drink and drive. Well, in a few weeks, Cat Country celebrates their 20th anniversary. And on behalf of the Apple Yard Agency, who's been around over 60 years, we want to wish you the happy anniversary and the best holidays possible. We love our partnership with Cat Country. This is Will with Hill Kelly Dodge wishing you a happy holiday from our family to yours. Guy Benson, keeping you informed of the news every day at 2, right after Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Ah, fragile. It must be Italian. Well, I think that says fragile, honey. Oh, yeah. It's Alice Cooper. It's still cool, okay? 437-1620. Good morning. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Ben Skull. Good morning. It's good to have you with us. Oh, man. It's fun to be back. It is. It really is. Uh, I, w- I will tell you just one small uh, cruise-related thing is... Um, you ever gone on a cruise, Jake? You ever done a cruise? More, more than once? Just one time? Uh, just one time, yeah. Okay. Went on a country cruise. I went on a cruise when we had first gotten married, so it's like, you know, 25-ish years ago, mm-hmm. and we hadn't gone on one since, mostly because of the cost of uh, the kids and also the cost of the getting the passports for the kids, because we thought mm-hmm. you had to have passports, which you do most of the time, but there are certain uh, cruise scenarios where you don't have to have passports, so that's what we did, but like 750 bucks for kids to find out if they like it didn't seem like a great mm-hmm. transaction for us. Right. 
But um, I tell you the thing I, I had not forgotten, but I had forgotten how long it lasted. You get the reverse sea legs. Mm. You know, when you come back on land and then the world is still moving. <laughs> like your body is still expecting everything to, you're having to, I've still got it a little bit. It's like yeah. five days post-cruise. I'm sitting down at my show prep last night. I'm like, whoa, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> stop trying to force me to fall down the stairs, you know? Oh, man. But, you know, you just, you, you would, and it, it was a lot of fun. It really is. Cruising is a lot of fun. The food is a lot of fun. And I managed to do it and put on zero pounds. Oh, wow. I cruised and I ate and I put on zero pounds. Ask me how later. I'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but I'm feeling pretty good about that choice. Fox News, I'm Gianna Jalosi. President Biden is leaving the White House today, one day after returning from Camp David to ring in the new year in the Caribbean. President Biden, the First Lady, and members of the family are spending the week in St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. The president rang in 2023 from St. Croix, once before officially announcing his re-election bid. This is Fox's Jared Halpern, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas are meeting the president of Mexico as a migrant caravan thousand strong zeroes in on our border. I have zero confidence in anything that uh, Blinken does. Uh, everything that he, he negotiates is actually uh, not in the best interest of the United States. It's uh, counter to what uh, really is needed in the United States. That was Congressman Carlos Jimenez on Fox Business. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. Right now it is partly cloudy and we've got 46 degrees in Pensacola this morning. Uh, state authorities have charged a man with prior felony convictions for hunting with a rifle. 61-year-old David Clemens was arrested recently after Escambia County deputies say they saw him taking a rifle out of a vehicle, then walking into the woods. This happened uh, near Highway 4 along uh, CW Caraway Road. FWC officers say they later determined Clemens, uh, David Clemens had an active domestic violence injunction Clemens uh, also faces drug charges for possession of marijuana. He remains in the Escambia County Jail with no bond. An animal rescue group in Okaloosa County says they're working to figure out where a malnourished, burned dog came from. That dog was found wandering around Crestview. It had its fur and its skin burned, along with open wounds from a skin infection. The dog was also severely malnourished. They've named the dog Gouda. And it's now recovering in an animal rescue. There's a new chapter in that legal battle between Disney and Governor Ron DeSantis. Last week, Disney sued the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District. That is the board that the governor and state lawmakers set up this year to replace the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Disney is accusing the CFTOD of breaking state law by withholding documents that the company had been asking for since last May. Disney says they want to see communication between board members. And a new poll might not be good news for Governor Ron DeSantis. The Rasmussen poll released yesterday showing Governor DeSantis is now tied for third in the Republican presidential primary. Donald Trump leads at 51%. It is 46 degrees right now in Pensacola. Our next news at 6 o'clock. We've got breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne for News Radio 92.3. News Radio Pensacola. 
Your home for informative, local, and dependable news and talk. Start your mornings off with the award-winning Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay. Followed by the Pensacola Expert Panel with Jake. Then, get informed and laugh from 11 till 2 with Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Followed by the Guy Benson Show. Your afternoon drive is anchored by Pensacola Right Now with Joe and Austin. Followed by Dave Ramsey. It's News Radio Pensacola. Heard on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. This is Paul Epstein with Running Wild. Join me today at 10 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. Discover why we at Running Wild are the running and fitness experts in the Pensacola and Fairhope communities specializing in fitting you in the best shoe, apparel, and training for your unique needs. We pride ourselves on serving, training, and encouraging you to reach your goals. So bring your questions today at 10. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Mo dig haul lift the versatile Kubota bx series subcompact tractor does it all switching attachments is simple and a smooth hydrostatic transmission makes for easy operation the Kubota bx series rated number one in durability and owner experience talk to your local Kubota dealer today to schedule a demo go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer visit the friendly folks at coastal machinery now with 40 years in the business locations in pensacola and crestview As she stared at me through the window, I realized the time we spent in the backyard on her trailer just wasn't fulfilling. We used to have so much fun on the water. I just couldn't crank her up. But Key Marine did. Fun days on the bay are back. And my Yamaha outboard runs better than ever. Key Marine gets the work done and lets you handle the fun. Key Marine, your Yamaha outboard dealer on Bower Road in Pensacola. Google Key Marine or find them on Facebook. Wrap up your day with all of the national, state, local sports and entertainment news with Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin on News Radio 923. concerns about it. I wasn't given a chance to read it before Senator Broxson asked the legislative delegation to support it and before he asked uh, Representative Bredman to uh, push the bill forward. I didn't have a chance to express things that could have improved, I believe, this this bill. Now, this is kind of interesting. Um, you know that uh, Senator Broxson has been advancing and filed this bill to consolidate the utility companies in North Santa Rosa County. And it's an interesting bill, if only because it seems like he's the only one who knew that it was coming, which kind of raises the question of, well, where, where did this come from? And I have not had a chance to talk to Senator Broxson. I will. I will definitely have him on the show to talk about this. Um, you know, give me a minute. It's just straight back from Christmas, right? Um, but interesting story in the PNJ from Tom McLaughlin, who uh, used to write for, maybe still does, for Northwest Florida Daily News, but I think they've consolidated now, and so it's kind of both papers share and share alike. So all of your, most of your Santa Rosa County coverage in the PNJ is going to come from Tom McLaughlin, who's been covering this stuff for, you know, a long time. Um, he writes a good story uh, a couple of days ago about this meeting this kind of press conference that several of the representatives of the various Santa Rosa utilities had 
and what they're calling the North Santa Rosa Utility Coalition, or <laughs> NISRUC. <laughs> it, it, there's, there's no good acronyms in this whole story. Okay, you got NISRUC, which is the opponents of the bill. That's all of the existing utilities who are not in favor of this thing. And then you've got the, I guess, proposed name of the utility, which will be the North Santa Rosa Utility Authority, or NISRUA. You know, you, you got to think about acronyms whenever you're making a new anything, right? You got to think about what's the bill acronym going to be. Sometimes I know legislators go out of their way to make ridiculous acronyms. But you, you, you got to think about, like, how are people going to say it? You know, ECUA is not a great acronym, but at least you can say it and not feel like the world is robbing you of your lifespan when you do it. The North Santa Rosa Utility Authority is a word phrase that nobody's going to say. And nobody's going to say NSRUA. Just try it. NSRUA. Are you going to say that? You know, NSRUA came and picked up my trash. I mean, nobody's going to say that. It's crazy. Um, so it's not a great series of words. But in any case, it's no better to say the North Santa Rosa Utility Coalition, the Nizruk, although you might say that one. Anyway, so they've gotten together and they had this press conference and they said, this is bad. We don't, we, we like the, the, you're going to have to apologize. I'm going to have to apologize for saying it this way, but the tone of the article was, we like the ma and pop feel. Right, we like the country store feel. We like the idea that you know the citizens can just you know, as it said in the article, uh, call their water board office or members of their citizen serving board members to discuss problems and have vital services rendered in timely fashion. You know, you call Jeannie and Jeannie calls Phil, and Phil comes over and turns off the water and the house is flooding while you're away on vacation. You know that kind of thing, as opposed to trying to penetrate the call screening service that you know, or whatever people they have working at ECUA on a weekend or Christmas when people are out of town. I, that's the argument, is you're going to get better service. Now, I think the argument on the other side is, yeah, but it's a hot mess. Um, all the various utilities, we've seen a lot of drama around, like, the Navarre utilities. And I don't think this is, in, I don't think Navarre is included in this, but still, you know, Milton and North is kind of all packaging this together. And they all acted like Doug Brocks and never talked to them about it. Uh, one of the representatives quoted in the article says, uh, this bill was crafted without any input from the citizens affected. And <laughs> as the article points out, um, they did not invite Senator Broxson to the press conference as a way of saying, well, you didn't invite us to the legislation, so we're not going to invite you to our opposition. <laughs> I mean, it's so petty. I mean, it really, look, Senator Broxson, generally speaking, is a very capable senator. Um, I, you know, I would never say. I mean, people always like, well, I don't agree with everything he's. I agree with most of what Doug Broxson has done. There are a couple of key things where I disagree with him, but that's okay. And I'll tell you, and he'll tell you. I'll tell the story. I wasn't a fan in the beginning. I, I didn't, you know, I just didn't think he. But I'm so glad. I really am glad that we got him because he has been a very, very good state senator for Northwest Florida. Anyway, um, so. They, they say in the in the article, we have no intention to talk to Senator Broxton at this time. It's nothing personal against Senator Broxton. It's just that we feel this is bad legislation. Well, it's clearly personal if you didn't reach out to him. He says they've reached out. His office says that they've reached out to them, and they haven't heard back. So we got this, like, impasse, you know. Well, you know, Jenny didn't call me first. Well, I'm not calling Martha before she could. You know, like, that's the kind of where we're at with this thing. Um, he said that the main reason, okay, is that they're wanting to do this is it wastewater. 
because there's been so much challenge around processing wastewater in North Santa Rosa, which is clearly true. And all of the issues surrounding like the wastewater treatment plant in Milton. And is there not a way that we can maybe make this whole system run better by making it a whole system? And as somebody who uses ECUA, I would say this. I would rather have an ECUA than I would then have a whole bunch of little utilities running their own little, you know, fiefdoms. Um, that system doesn't make much sense to me. But I get the argument. It's going to take money to set up. You know, anytime you create more integrated government, you also create more waste. I mean, not in the wastewater sense, but in the, you know, government, larger, bloated bureaucracy carries its own problems. But it also carries its own solutions because you get efficiencies by doing things that way that you wouldn't get otherwise. So, Will it cost more money? Will it not cost more money? Will it provide you better, more reliable service? Will you have more redundancy? Will you have more ability to handle things like emergencies and breakages? And, you know, will you have better staff? I mean, these all good questions. I don't know the answer to any of them. I just think that this drama playing out around were we involved in the fashioning of the bill or not is unfortunate because uh, Senator Broxson has been a very good state senator and it's, it is weird to me that this seemed to come out of left field. Heather uh, Lindsay, the mayor of Milton, who I was playing the comments from here a moment ago, she she seems to think the bill is not particularly good and needs improving. I do believe everything can be improved with time and consideration and, and active listening and looking for solutions. So I hope that there is a solution that could help Senator Brox and meet his goals without being harmful to Milton. But at this point, I don't know what that looks like yet. So she's pretty, you know, down on the bill so far. I think this local bill suffers from shortcomings that we saw with respect to the Okaloosa gas issue, where we had to step up efforts to protect Milton's investment. Here, I think we have to protect ratepayers and taxpayers and residents from an idea that could become problematic from a couple of standpoints and she's trying to be diplomatic and that's fine but she's clearly concerned about it and so what they had a conversation about in the milton city council meetings related to this was okay well can we just not maybe request that they do a public meeting can we maybe not have joel rudman the state representative and for district three which is you know everything past like navarre midway and north basically the north three um districts in the county and maybe some south i'm not i always forget exactly where the new boundaries are but um you know kind of the the north three quarters geographically of the county or more than that really um that's all covered by him and also uh, senator broxton so scott collins new city manager in milton says well can we just not have a meeting where they talk to the public and kind of air out some of these grievances and let's not do festivus by dueling press conferences right I don't think it's too much of a stretch to ask for a public involvement meeting for what could be a perpetual change regionally for utilities if we're going to be held to the standard to have two readings in a public hearing i don't think it's far-fetched to ask for a series of public involvement meetings so all of us can understand um what what's going forward in that i think that's very important for us to do yeah i mean that that makes perfect just think about what was done in perdido before you know the incorporation bill could even be filed and of course that turned out to not go through in the end but uh, not because it didn't get voted on but for different reasons but there was a lot of public interaction a lot of public meetings right and that seems like the right approach here i'm a bit surprised that hasn't happened before now because 
typically that's the way you would do this is you say, hey, we've got this issue. Can we not meet with the heads of the utilities and talk to them about what's going on and get the public involved and find out what's the problem? So Scott Collins is kind of coming in after the fact. City of Milton is coming in after the fact and saying, hey, can we just do some public meetings about this and talk about this and find out why you're doing this and what's going on, which is fair. And then they're going to send Heather Lindsay as kind of the point person to represent the city of Milton in these conversations, not because she has the authority particularly, but, you know, she's a, a titular mayor, which means that she doesn't have any formal authority except to break ties and run meetings. But she, um, they needed to appoint somebody because otherwise, you know, she'd have to go there and say, okay, I have a concern, but I got to go ask my council what they think. We'll come back to you. And the just the mechanics and the timeliness of that don't work very well for legislation working its way through Tallahassee. So they've kind of picked her as the point person to kind of just interact and, and give opinions. So I don't know what's going to happen with this bill, but it's it's just it's interesting to me to see how this seems to have happened in such a weird, unpredicted way, and everybody's caught by surprise over it. Everybody from Milton to I presume the representatives of all of these North Utility North Center Rose utilities that was featured in the paper. So four three seven. I don't I don't really have a position on it. Uh, if it seemed like I did, I guess it's just because uh, I see how ECUA works, and though it is certainly not perfect, um, it. It makes sense to me. But there you have an elected board overseeing, and I, for, I, I have not read the bill to know the specifics of how this one is meant to be structured because it all seemed to kind of come suddenly, and I more wanted to talk to Senator Broxson before we actually got into the you know the details of whether the bill was a good one or not. And besides, it seems likely it's going to change a lot uh, between now and the landing, if it even gets to the landing. 437 1620 I'm Andrew McKay. The Port of Pensacola is more than just a name. It's a powerhouse of economic opportunities, a strategic location that sparks growth and prosperity, contributing significantly to the local and regional economy with 23 incredible businesses that call this port home. Big names like C-Max Materials, GE Wind Energy, and soon the prestigious American Magic Sailing Team. Since 1754, the Port of Pensacola has been the driving force behind Northwest Florida's economic success. Explore more at portofpensacola.com. This message is sponsored by the Florida A&M University Medical Marijuana Education and Research Initiative, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Mary on Demand is live. Start your marijuana education journey today. Learn at your own pace and check out the Medical Marijuana Education Series. You decide what you'd like to learn and win with Mary on Demand. Visit mary.famu.edu. That's m-m-e-r-i.famu.edu. And remember, recreational marijuana is still illegal in Florida. Mary. Educate. Learn. Talk. You know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair of Swan Capital, Saturdays at 1, to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do all the things you've dreamt about doing in retirement. Don't miss What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair, Saturdays at 1. Firm offers insurance services, advisory services offered through Swan Capital, LLC. Here's what's happening around Pensacola this week. Keep your eyes focused on the Pensacola Beach skies for the New Year's Eve fireworks all along the boardwalk. The skies over Santa Rosa Sound light up and ring in 2024 at midnight. Presented by the Santa Rosa Island Authority and the Escambia County Tourist Development Council. See PensacolaBeachChamber.com for more information. Happy New Year from News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Find more events and submit yours at NewsRadio92.3.com. 
It's News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, AM 1620, the website, the app, or your smart device. It's news on your terms. And when Alexander saw the breadth of his domain, he wept, for there were no more worlds to conquer. Benefits of a classical education. Yeah, I know it's Christmas time. It's rock and roll. I was having a conversation with my wife on the way back from the, from the Jacksonville where we were at uh, for the last 10 days. And uh, Cruz was half and Grandma's house was half. And it's not Jacksonville. It's technically Fernandina Beach, but, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I, people, I'm sure, that live on Amelia Island will be like, don't call it Jacksonville. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> so I'm not into all of that uh, local politics. But um, we were having this conversation. Do we keep playing Christmas music this week? You know, today, tomorrow, and Friday. And I say Yes. Even though I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the Christmas music, I'm um, I, I'm just like my my regular music. Uh, but I I figured yes, Jake, are you a you a yes for Christmas bumper music for the rest of the week? Uh, on the 26th, I'm done. You're yeah, done. I'm okay, ready it's to over move for you. See, see, I would be too if I were listening to a lot of it in the beginning, but I don't listen to a lot of it, so mm-hmm. maybe it's you know I just haven't heard enough of it. Um, also, I got a bunch of these Christmas drops from Christmas music that I want to play because we watched a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my God, can. Okay, so we watched, um, you know, we're at the relatives, so we watched a lot of Netflix. Um, although it wasn't typically Netflix, it was Prime or Freebie or I don't know. There's all these different services out there. Um, watched a bunch of these Christmas movies, and, you know, most of which I have seen before, some of which I had not seen before. And I tried my best to stay away from the Hallmark ones, you know, because uh, I, I don't need to know about Jenny's struggles to make it in the big city and, you know, how she comes back home and, you know, Tries to find a new way of life with the guy who owns a Christmas tree lot down the road and used to be the star of the... You know, I don't need to know all of that. It's, they're not entertaining to me. But we did watch a couple that were a little off the beaten track, and they were fine. They were good. You know, and some were newer and some were... We watched, like, oh, my God, we watched uh, Scrooge, of course, which is, you know, a weird classic. Um, we watched one called uh, Xmas, which is all about uh, the family likes the ex-fiance more than they like the son, so she winds up at the Christmas party, and he's not supposed to come home, and then he does, and drama and hijinks ensue. Uh, and, you know, there was some other one. I'm, I'm trying not to remember the name of it. But here's what, what stunned me. What stunned me. It shouldn't, but it did, is all of these movies, and this is not brand new. This is going back like that one was uh, 2007. Um, there's always a gay plot line. In all of the movies. Always. There's always, you know, the brothers coming out as gay. The sister is already gay. She's, you know, I mean, always in these movies. And, you know, not everybody wants that in their Christmas movies. Not everybody enjoys that in their Christmas. A lot of people are like, can we not just have, I mean, me. Okay, my can we not just have a Christmas movie that's, you know, just a Christmas movie? Hijinks and relationships, fine. We don't need to have all the, you know, the rainbow stuff. But hear me out, okay? This is a worldview conflict issue. And I have said this many times, but it's a good illustration of the point. There's no such thing as neutral. You can't have neutral on this subject. Because what the pro-gay folks will say is neutral 
is anti-gay. They will say that if you don't have gay representation in the movies or the TV show, because, look, whatever you might believe about the historical claims, pretty much the number is somewhere around 2 to 3% of the population, right? It might be a little higher these days just because it's, you know, there's no discouragement against it, generally speaking. Um, but generally, you know, this, this claim by Kinsey it was like 10% is ridiculous. It was, ne- it was never 10% of the population, okay? I mean, people might be more willing to do all kinds of things these days, but that's not the same, okay? So it's always been a very small minority of the population. You know, 1 in 50, 1 in 40, 1 in 30, something like that. Which means that if you have a movie featuring six people, the odds are against it that any of them is gay, right? I mean, you know, do the math. If you have a TV show that features, you know, six key characters, like Friends, the odds are against it that any of them are gay. But today, if you have a TV show featuring six people, guaranteed one's going to be gay. Today, if you have a movie featuring five, six, seven people, one of them, two of them, maybe he's going to be gay. Why? Well, again, go back to the kind of worldview premise. The one worldview says that uh, traditional heterosexual relationships aimed at marriage, typically, which is one man and one woman, um, again, the worldview, that's the norm. Everything else is deviation from the norm. And even for people who may not strongly object to gay behavior, don't want their kids seeing it. Because to them, it's sexually deviant, right? I mean, that's the view. It's other than, okay? Uh, just like if you have a you know PG-13 or an R movie, they don't want their kids seeing all of the, you know, relationship stuff. They don't want kids seeing heavy petting and kissing and nudity and innuendo and all that, right? And so Christmas movies are typically very PG. Not always, you know, there's been some exceptions to that. But Christmas movies are typically like okay for the kids kind of stuff. And so when you have movies that you would otherwise think of, again, from the traditional relationship perspective, you think that, okay, we're going to watch Christmas movies at this time of year and we're going to celebrate this stuff. And then all of a sudden there's gay relationships in them. That to you feels like an R movie. You might not object otherwise, but you don't want your kids watching that. Okay, but that is born of a view that the one is normal, the other is not. Because the kind of behavior that goes on between gay couples in these movies and TV shows is light, fair, compared to the kind of romantic things that go on between straight couples in these movies, right? Typically, it's not the sexual content, it's the alternative sexual content that's the issue. And so the pro-gay folks who say you're marginalizing, you're othering, you're, you know, treating us as second-class citizens less than, they're right. That is. Now, does that justify having it, like, everywhere disproportionately? Well, again, their argument's going to be we have a culture that we're trying to overcome anti-gay bigotry. We're trying to normalize it. So you're going to have more of it to compensate for all the decades of not having any of it and all the decades of harassment and opposition. That's their view. Now, wherever you fall on this, you know, some people are pro-gay, and that's why they, obviously, Hollywood is massively pro-gay, okay? Uh, Some people who uh, believe in traditional relationships and traditional sexual morality, like myself, uh, you know, we don't think that that's the same. It's not equal. It's, you know, and we don't want to see it everywhere um, because we don't think that it's the same and equal. I mean, that's the view. The problem is, how do you make a culture around those two competing views? How do you create neutrality? You can't. 
You can't. There's no neutral. If you include gay relationships in the movie or the TV show, that's pro-gay. If they're there and you treat them as fine, normal, acceptable, even equal, interchangeable, that's pro-gay. That's not neutral. If you don't have them and you don't show them in a movie that has otherwise heterosexual relationships, well, that's anti-gay. If you maybe don't prefer that term, you want to say it's pro-traditional, but whatever. There is a view of sexuality being expressed. The only way you can get neutral is to have no relation stuff, <laughs> right? Is no male-female, no male-male, no female-female. Then you have just an action movie with no romance and no sexy stuff whatsoever. I mean, you can do that. Pretty bland movie, typically. There's always relationship stuff in it because relationship is at the heart of what it means to be human. So, you know, you could do it. You know, you could have a movie that's purely relational issues free. That would be neutral. But most movies are going to show relationships somehow or other. And because they show straight relationships only, that is expressing a worldview representation. That's excluding. That's why I say there's no, there's so many things in life that there's just no neutral available. Now, as a culture, people have picked the pro-gay position. I don't prefer that position. A lot of people don't prefer that position. It becomes more of a focus when you see it in Christmas movies because there's something about Christmas, family, kids, TV, everybody's sitting around. And I will tell you, again, just so you understand, you don't have to agree, but you know, clearly I don't agree, but I understand, is, and the, the gay activist view of that is, yes, that's a heteronormative exclusion of gay people from your Christmas perception of goodness and normalcy, right? That's their view. Again, you don't have to agree with it. I'm just telling you that's the view. And sometimes it just takes a second to understand something, and then you have to decide, okay, well, which side do I do I really hold on this? Because you can't have both. You can't be like, I'm totally fine with gays, just don't put them in my Christmas movies. No, you don't. There's a conflict there. You're listening to News Radio 92.3, WNRP Golf Free's Milton Pensacola.